Today, I'm wrapping things up with this Tate guy. Thank God. Okay, so I bet you're glad that I'm done with this, and so am I. But don't get me wrong, think of it as closure, as I finally leave behind that toxic male BS behind me once and for all. In our second half of my conversation with Killian, we went a bit more in-depth with the effects of Tate on high school students and what could be done to prevent that toxicity from spreading around. So, let's get into it. So, you've already... Se- <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So, moving on. Anyway, yeah. so, you've, you've, said that you've said some kind of, like, things about him before. Like, you said you, he was, like, a fucking asshole. Not, not exactly, but you've said some more strong language towards him. Yeah. I know a teacher called him a bitch, and yeah. I know people online have been calling him all these things. Mm-hmm. So, basically, like, do you think that, like, all of this, like, targeted language and almost bullying towards him is just, like, justified? Or do you think that there's, like, another way to, like, go around all of these, all of the news that's been happening, like, surrounding him? I feel like, yes, it, it gets at if I'm angry about him and you're angry about him and that teacher who uses that langui- language is angry at him. I think there's some kind of like therapeutic nature of mm-hmm. saying, yeah, he's a prick and he's an asshole and he's a bitch and like all of these things. But I think if we're trying to think about how do we enact change in our society effectively, mm-hmm. it's I think the language of even calling those things are the easy ways of expression I think so right? I think they're they have some kind of short term therapeutic nature <laughs> um, when I'm angry that's a secondary emotion to something else that I'm feeling it's sometimes it's fear or I'm scared or I'm vulnerable and to curse and call them these names it's um, kind of like it's, it's just reactionary almost, yeah. it's just like it's just knee jerk reaction but if I want to I we want to be tangible in addressing the problem that I think he's a part of again as I kind of as alluded to in my notes I think he's just recycling old ideas of strength power you know and masculinity male you know traditional male roles I think it's more about like happened in my classroom having conversations with people that find him to be valuable find him to be a role mm-hmm. model like getting at the core of like what is it that you really see in this person mm-hmm. Right? What is it that you really find to be an upstanding role model? Or how is it that he is one of those? Mm-hmm. When at the same time, he you know, admits to taking a machete to a woman's throat, hammering her on the head with it. You know, he's being charged with multiple rape, you know, rape cases. Mm-hmm. He has a, a business for luring in young women um, and manipulating them in such a way to where they really can't leave. So it's a kind of human trafficking. He's in prison or he's still, or maybe still he was recently prison, released yeah. in Romania. Oh, yeah. So he's got human trafficking and rape cases against him. How is it that someone of that character and nature in his businesses that he's created with his brother, like, how is it that he can be viewed as a positive role model for our young men mm-hmm. when he admits to raping and beating up other people? Like this, it's, it's a level of disgust that's incomprehensible. He has to have a mom. I don't know if he has a sister. But it's to me, I can't process how young men can compartmentalize and see him as, an ups- as a person to admire. And I think it goes back to the skewed view of what it means to be strong in a man and how we skew this, this role of what it means to be a strong, masculine you know, young man. Um, so again, to be effective, I think we need to have more 
earnest, honest, uncomfortable conversations with young men that look up to him mm-hmm. to really unpack both their onion, you know, whether if it's, well, we won't name names, right? But, we, you know, unpack their onion of what is it that they're missing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, why is it they look up to him as opposed to dad or uncle or grandpa mm-hmm. or whoever is a positive, healthy role model mm-hmm. in their lives, male or female? And then ask, like, how, do you, how are you okay if he's done that? Like, and then ask the even more uncomfortable question. Think of someone who they deeply love, whether it's wife, sorry, whether it's mother or sister. What would you think of Andrew Tate doing those things to your sister mm-hmm. or your mother? Like, that, that should flip the script for them mm, yeah. in a very uncomfortable way. And I would presume they would go, well, no, of course I wouldn't be okay with that. Well, then how do they separate that out of, like, all of these other unnamed, maybe unviewable women mm-hmm. that he's being accused of raping and violating, you know, raping and human trafficking them? <laughs> how is he okay to, like, how do they disassociate them to their mothers? Obviously, there's a difference because yeah. they know their mother and they, love, they know their sister's. And they've spent time with them, and they don't know these other women. But at the same time, like that's like I just, I just can't process how there's a dis- disassociation there. Okay. But anyway, I don't know if you heard that, but the disassociation of how they are okay with that mm-hmm. when he's done these things. Okay. <laughs> so, so I guess maybe to wrap it up, yes, calling him names is easy, but it doesn't get at a tangible. But it doesn't like really do anything. It doesn't do anything. It's only like a short term like solution. Yeah, right. I mean, if I have a you know a young man who's kind of giving me an attitude in the classroom, and I say you know stop being a prick, they're not going to hear Mr. Killian is criticizing me for being disruptive and disrespectful. They're going to hear my tone and body language of you're a prick. Stop being a prick. Mm -hmm. Now that's not an effective means of communication to cause change right because you have to create trust and relationship and bond calling somebody a prick or stop being a prick (laughs) just humiliates them in front of their peer group to where that breaks the trust often creates you know creates chasms right gaps it so again it'd be better to like walk over to the person and say are you okay like what like how how is this okay right now? Mm-hmm. And what have I done to disrupt, I don't know, your trust or like make you someone that you feel like is okay to like be mean to? Like what have I done to you? And if I have, tell me so I can work through that and be better for you, right? That's the mm-hmm. harder conversation to have because you can't always have that in the classroom. Yeah. But even though it's necessary sometimes when a kid is acting out, <laughs> it's probably the more appropriate thing to do, which is to slow down. Think about what I've done and ask them how they're doing and like why is this the time they want to do that interrupting the whole you know purpose of what mm-hmm. we may be doing in the classroom okay so like the whole classroom setting like I think this is the whole reason why I wanted to talk to you in the first place because mm-hmm. I know you said a student like came up to you or like you heard them talking about saying like oh I love Andrew Tate or whatever and saying that he's a good person to look up to so like just going back to my question like do you think that for you personally, do you think that teachers should be talking about Andrew Tate within a classroom setting and, like, what he's done towards, like, impressionable teenage boys? I, I do because it's present in the classroom, even if it's present in, like, a secondary or tertiary mm-hmm. way, right? It may not be a, the lesson I'm talking about. If I need to talk about ancient civilization, <laughs> Indus Valley civilization, um, you know, it's not relevant to bring yeah. up Andrew Tate. 
But if I am talking about, you know, but if I, but if I want to, again, reach and connect to my students, trust being the number one thing in any curriculum, it's first before everything else, and I want them to both actually do some earnest and honest reflections on my assignments, actually really think about being vulnerable on other assignments, whether it's for that, con you know, the concept of ancient civilization or an English class, and they're, if they're unable or unwilling, maybe even consciously or unconsciously, to sit and reflect upon their behavior, and they're not willing to do that because someone like Andrew Tate has infected them in such a way as being vulnerable is a sign of weakness, mm -hmm. being reflective about our behavior is a sign of weakness, um, considering other people's viewpoints is a sign of weakness, like if it somehow comes up, comes up where we talk about trans identity in the classroom and this student is unwilling to even consider what it might be like for someone who maybe looks like them in the sense of appearance, mm -hmm. maybe class-wise lived like them, but they're not even willing to consider another person's lived experience because that's perceived as being weak and vulnerable and counter to this masculine you know, real male, uh, male model that they're you know, associated with of masculinity, meaning we only have strong men and we only have women. There's nothing in between. <laughs> like if they're not even willing to do that because I, as their teacher, haven't tried to build the trust with them, because I haven't addressed Andrew Tate, I just hope it'll go away, mm -hmm. then I think we have to talk about him in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I don't have, I'm not raising two young men, I'm raising two young women. But if I had a son, and if I had a son who was a teenager, and I knew the teenager was somehow influenced with Andrew Tate, then I think it's my responsibility, um, just like it is in the classroom, but it's be my responsibility at home is to have a conversation with these young men of like, what is it about him? And I think the other part of it would be being willing to show young men what are other kinds of, what are other types of male masculinity? crying in the classroom I think is, is fine right if I'm yeah. if there's a topic that comes up and it strikes me an emotional way I think it's fine for me to cry and work through those in front of a class and also still hold credibility and strength right that's a kind of credibility in a classroom that I I can show them another you know type of you know type of way to be a man in a classroom mm -hmm. um I think it also would, you know, there's just diff there's different ways to model different types of masculinity to our males and sometimes just point it out. Point out that this is a different type of way than perhaps you're learning to be a person, be a man, you know, as, mm -hmm. is, as it is, right? Should, that should hopefully be a counterexample to what they're thinking about with regard to Andrew Tate. So mm -hmm. ultimately it's a yes, but I think those are all the reasons why. Okay. All right, thank you so much. I'm glad you were still really passionate about this because I know we've been talking about it for like two weeks. Yeah. But I'm still really glad you still had the, you were still willing to sit down and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, of so. course. Do you want those? Or no? You can keep it. Okay. Yeah, but thank you so yeah, much. Course. I really appreciate it. Did it go longer than you were hoping or longer no, than you No, no, I was okay, expecting great. you to say a lot and I'm glad you did because I wouldn't want to be like five minutes of like, I think he's bad. Thanks he's for answer. talking to me. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me. Pleasure. But yeah, thank you so much, cool. Mr. Killian. We'll see you later. See ya. Okay, that's all done. I'd like to thank Mr. Killian for the billionth time for just letting me talk to you about, well, everything. 
I found our conversation to be pretty interesting and also pretty eye-opening as well. I know that these two episodes haven't been like my other episodes so far, but I just had fun being a little bit more serious. And I just wanted to get out all of my thoughts, but in a way where I could close it up and just finally shut the hell up about Andrew Tate. I know I may not be like the most informed, but whatever. I hope you enjoyed this little bit of seriousness. I sure did. And I'll make sure that next week is a bit more fun, a bit more loose. And fingers crossed, I see some more album reviews and music recommendations and hopefully some more interviews in the bright future. Until then, thank you again for listening to another episode of So She Seeks. <laughs>